When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Uh, you all ready? Yeah, go on. Ready. Welcome back, everyone, to the final panel of MadCon 2022. It's been a nice long weekend. We've had five panels a day. Yeah, the mm. first one is kind of the 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 free for all uh, panel that yeah. may or may not be relevant to podcasts. And uh, I have a feeling the <laughs> second one is, or this last one's going to be kind of similar. But we'll try to stay on topic and do a nice little yeah. recap of the weekend. So, how are you all feeling? Um, on this nice evening. Amazing. This has been a really, really good experience. I think it's always good to hear, uh, yeah, differences of like opinion on things. And it's been a really interesting, like, yeah, so many different perspectives about things that I, shit, I haven't like thought about before or things I have thought about, but from a different like angle, which is like, it's, it's never not good to have that. Like, it's always good to just get something else. So I've, I've been, I've been, I'm definitely better off for this, um, this, this convention. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Sock, how has how has your weekend been? Uh, my weekend has been lovely. There's been a lot of weird stuff going on in my real life, but for this, I'm very happy to be proud of it. A weird stuff like you or got folded and put into the wrong drawer. Did that happen? Was that like mm-hmm. weird things? Uh, weird as in there was someone burning something and it is like wildfire season. So just like Fuck. smelling smelling smoke for like. Yeah. eight straight hours of just like where the fuck is that coming from uh, yeah. is you know now what is the composition of your sock are you polyester are you 100 percent cloth so what i've changed this every time uh so uh as of let as of currently let's say that i am uh 40 polyester 60 percent cotton Okay. About that. So still pretty flammable. So you're definitely worried about the still fires. Still pretty flammable. Gotcha. Well, yeah. We're, we're glad that you're not uh, engulfed in flames currently. Um, yeah, that would be unfortunate. That would not be good. Uh, I, I, I not for anyone. <laughs> this weekend's been really interesting because I yeah. think we got some perspectives we're not used to hearing, mainly from mm. some people who have been in this industry since before they were known as uh, audio dramas yeah. and audio fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, they're talking about the early age of audio dramas as we know it from like 2005 or six. But before that, they take a lot of different mm-hmm. forms. Um, yeah, Jeff himself was very much associated with uh, stage plays and theater and things like that, but also really liked radio plays. Um, hearing mm-hmm. from him talking about uh, the the original Dungeons and Dragons, you know, first edition when it came out and. Um, mm how the way players have at least from his experience obviously it's quite anecdotal because we didn't have access to everyone's experience playing dungeons and dragons and yeah and and during that time but um how that's really changed and more people are RPing, and therefore like we have these more elaborate stories being told in mm. the in um actual plays and and then hearing from i wish we got to hear more from jack uh ward this weekend Mm. who is with audio um uh, mutual audio network and the sonic society uh who so graciously asked us to um help them run this uh this year and we were very uh very honored to be able to host it you know it's the only audio drama focused convention that we know of um so it's really cool but he's been he grew up on radio plays and things like this you know, what what pioneered what we know as audio dramas and then larry um groby um is does uh, kind of live audio plays um on 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 project audion with uh live foley while they're performing in a big zoom call mm. and recording in one take if, if possible of course you know 
some people's computers crash or whatever the case may be. There's sometimes those hiccups, but they try to keep it really yeah. authentic. And it's just, it is interesting to 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 kind of see it from a different generation because um, mm. I feel like we often don't think that we think of a lot of, like this very millennial like and uh, yeah. Zoomer kind of industry. You know, most of the creators in Fasty Nonsense are in their mid to younger thirties or younger. Um, mm. So, what, what were some very kind of interesting things you learned this weekend, Kai? Um, I think I see. I had I had all these notes, and I seem to have misplaced them. I think I think the that first one was really good. Just talking about, I I mean, I kind of said at the beginning, but just like hearing other other perspectives, especially from someone. I think one of them said like, you've been doing audio fiction, audio drama since two thousand eight, so since I was like six years old, which is just fucking mind blowing to me. Like that it has been going so long and I, I thought that I had thought that I think it's it's definitely easy to think I mean like yeah I mean you basically said this but just it's easy to think that like because there's been this research or this this surge in popularity with audio drama um that it is such a new thing and I think I've always thought about it as such a new thing but it's kind of it's kind of not and I think it's 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 important to remember the sort of precursors in that sort of um in that sense especially i mean you know even even looking at radio drama which is is definitely different and has different styles but like it's all it's all the sort of um genealogy of this medium and i think um i think yeah it's definitely made me more open to that and i think yeah i think overall just generally like i don't know i think i'll I'll have to like i mean this is obviously the last thing but like i think i'll have to it will it will come to me more as i do more audio drama what i've actually learned from this Mm because i think it's hard to know how much influence anything i think I did, there will be something that i have like picked up that maybe subconsciously i can't like that i can't say but at some point i think has has changed the way that i will approach things so i think i think just like making me a more well-rounded artist and especially in this medium as well i think i don't know i'm glad to have just spoken to other people doing it and i think that's that's like the big thing for me is just like hearing people that do the same thing as me i think the community is really important just generally so i think that to do so yeah, I think that's my main thing, which is kind of a non-answer, but yeah, I think that's my like, you know, no, and, and I, what I feel. I, I, I'll probably come back to you in just a moment to talk about. Um, mm. You've already kind of mentioned some changes that you plan on considering, or some some of these items you plan yeah. on considering, and I'd like to touch on that in a bit more in just a, mm. a, a bit. Um, today was about breaking through barriers, and um, and so Sock was with us this morning during the opening discussion, and throughout the day we had teamwork at a distance. Um, non-English language podcasts and access and gate accessing and gatekeeping. Um, I, I want to hear from from you, Sock. Um, you actually do a little bit of teamwork at a distance because you've done some. Uh, if you're comfortable talking about it, your collaborations with other uh, virtual tubers, VTubers. Um, I'd like to hear about yeah. some of your experience with that and um, what that's been hmm. like. Uh, <laughs> so it's been kind of funny and very interesting because turns out uh a lot of people that use this kind of medium to hide their face and turns out they've got a lot of social anxiety so a a vast majority of the cases uh when it comes to getting interactions and actually like talking with them and really reaching out it has just been like hey do you want to do a thing and mostly they're gonna say yes but it's it's been cool uh it's kind of funny to be part of this community that is almost exclusively uh just people with social anxiety including myself so like yeah it's collaborating has been pretty much just like throw out a date and like want to do this thing and then just everyone jumping on it mm. but uh, that's yeah that's pretty cool then i mean you've had yeah i, I remember it, you were you were telling obviously easier than expected but and also yeah. like weirder <laughs> uh and weirder how uh just like dealing with adults people you tend to expect it to be like all right i'm gonna have to put in this much effort and then just like literally like you throw out a fishing line, and then the fish are just, like, jumping onto your boat. That's the best I kind see. of equivalent that I can make. Right, okay. I'm just like, yeah. oh, huh. <laughs> um, I expected to work more for this. 
this is kind of a bit what we we had mentioned um in that last panel with in the accessing gatekeeping is um depending on kind of the industry and the the kind of sphere you hang around the collaboration is often not very common because people don't want to share their audience because they're afraid of losing an audience um and there mm. are many spheres where that's not always true um uh speaking specifically of accessing and gatekeeping um from my understanding, the actual technical side of um, becoming a YouTuber takes a bit of animation and a little bit of a technical knowledge. But when it comes to actually um, being able to do this, um, is it pretty accessible for the other day person, or are there some um, or are there some barriers to entry that maybe people aren't considering, or makes it a little hard for others? So. It's kind of, it's a mix of both things. So there's actually like a very low barrier to entry. If you wanted to just like do this, like just want to do something, don't want to show your face. Uh, VTube Studio, which is the program that I use, has quite a few options. Like I can switch immediately. Ta-da. I am a dog <laughs> at bucket. There we go. Like that's, that's so good. There's... There's actually like a, a VTuber that I'm familiar with that her her avatar is this, but like in a bucket rather than like the, the bowl. So <laughs> where I can be like default cat. Ta-da. <laughs> like it's it's still That's got like well. the tracking and everything, but yeah, you know the if you want it to be something kind of your own whoops. So long. You didn't see that. Long. <laughs> you didn't see that. But if you want to be kind of something more like your own, more specialized, more individual, uh, that's going to take a lot more work. That's going to take, like, time coming up with a concept. That's going to take time actually, like, getting it created and cut out. Uh, that's going to take time to, like, rig and prepare. But to actually, like, just start, it's much like with a lot of other kind of streaming and like entertainment the barrier to entry is fairly low but it has a mm. very very high ceiling right i mean the bare okay. minimum to stream you need a decent computer that can handle it and a lot of times it's almost more important that you have the right internet than mm. you have the right um hardware you can have pretty mid hardware but if your upload speeds are garbage then you'll it's going to be hard for you to consistently mm -hmm. be present on twitch and have decent quality that people can enjoy you uh, yeah Absolutely. and sock knows this I, I did streaming for a long time too this is all like mm -hmm. a, a, you know, these barriers mm -hmm. are something i had to face and i've always had a good system but sometimes your shitty spectrum internet gives out on you and um and just doesn't mm -hmm. work um, yeah so in terms of actual like we because we were talking about like the the barrier of entry of hardware into audio drama um was pretty low you know we talked about how you can get a focus right uh 2i2 or a focus right solo paired with an audio technical 2020 microphone and get a decent xlr entry um, um mm. entry level setup for on a good day probably like 120 to 180 dollars in between yeah. that yeah and that's compared to other industries is a lot if you wanted you know i mentioned specifically 3d modeling uh 2d artists like with 2d artists you need an ipad at the at bare minimum sometimes you need a computer and a drawing tablet mm. that's that's expensive mm -hmm. uh, an ipad alone is gonna run you you know 200 300 dollars yeah, um... and uh 3d modeling you need a good computer that can handle it because it's a lot of processing and graphic power and um it's a beautiful that we can enter these zones and have a relatively low that that low barrier of entry um on the gatekeeping side of things we talked about how audio dramas are a space to tell pretty much any story you want and there really is not a ton of gatekeeping when it comes to um people and how they identify and how they look and how they sound mm. um we did kind of touch on it from what Aaron said with like how you sound and your accent yeah. often plays a big role into how you are casted. But as a creator, 
you kind of have the liberty to do whatever you want. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How... I'd have thought, which maybe it's just ignorant of me to have thought that, but I'd have thought that this space was better than that to to sort of restrict what kind of accents you want to hear in something like to say i just want you know north american british kind of i i I had i had thought that it was more i don't know more progressive than that so i guess yeah there's a sort of a bit of a a, a, not shock because it's like i i i know that is how it is most of the time i just thought audio drama was like different in that yeah i mean it's it's like yeah it was very interesting very eye-opening I think a part of that too is that as audio drama gets bigger and more corporate, there's going to be a lot more like we need an audience (laughs) that's going to be comfortable with what's on here and having a foreign language might, or a foreign accent may not do as well. You know, there is this kind of steadily approaching corporate um, look at things. We've already seen where some audio dramas are beginning to be turned into, uh, Netflix. Um, I've, I saw there's one. And I cannot remember it, but it, they literally turned an audio drama into a Netflix adaptation. That obviously Archive eighty one. It was Archive eighty one, and so I and a decent a decent show as well. I felt. Uh, uh, so the yeah. actual audio drama side of it, you thought was pretty good. The the audio drama, and then also the show that they made out of it was was quite good. Oh, so um, the, so the show good. was was pretty decent. That's that's good to hear. Yeah, I, I saw I, some I things it. on. Um, like r slash audio drama which you know the redditors you have to take everything the redditors <laughs> with salt as yeah. a redditor um but you know the, it's, the, the yeah I, I think there's space that there's going to be spaces that you're going to have some gatekeeping and unfortunately any growing industry is going to have more and mm. more gatekeeping um yeah for vtubing it we've mentioned you and i in private have talked a lot about how um, it is a place, and you touch on it a little bit, is a place for people to kind of put on the persona that they want and want to show off. Do, are there issues, any kind of issues in gatekeeping? Um, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you would like but, to, please uh, share. So, oh, God. It, so, the first thing is the VTubing community is not really a community. It is just like, you know, the streaming community. It is mm. a bunch of different people that kind of share this one hobby more so than they're a bunch of people that really like share anything in common so Mm. you'll get people that like i only want to watch this kind of vtuber and it's a anime girl with tits the size of her head uh or i only want to watch these kinds of vtubers and they're like all like non-humanoid weird like animals Mm. or like something like that and then there's the whole thing of like so i'm a fully animated model there's some people that like want to see only 2d models there's some people that only want to see like 3d models there's some that like do or don't like the uh they're referred to as png tubers or gif tubers where it's basically like a static image with like a couple frames of animation for Mm. the the actual motion rather than like any sort of tracking Gotcha. So there's there's a there's a wide kind of variety, uh, and everyone kind of has their own opinion about how to do it. But fundamentally, because the bar to entry is so low, uh, really all you need is like a decent streaming setup and a webcam, mm. or like not even that, just something to really track your model. So it's not really inherently yeah. more. Um difficult to enter the vtubing scene than being a youtuber um i mm. or sorry you can't say that i'm shaking my head uh, uh sorry not, not not being a youtuber <laughs> being someone on twitch i know a lot of um i'm more familiar with other communities on twitch and a lot of time it is based on uh revolves around the game or games types of games um they played like you know it's like Oh, there's League of Legends people, and they like specific League of Legends streamers, and there is gatekeeping within that community, um, and that's all kind of joined in by one central idea or one central focus on a game or type of games, first-person shooters, your battle royale kind of people. But even those still kind of are more boiled down to like Fortnite versus Apex Legends mm. versus you know, whatever yeah. the case may be. Um, so it's interesting that there's like. It's yeah. not a focus on what the VTubers do as much as how the VTubers are. And I'm sure part of it 
plays into what they're actually doing yeah. on stream. It's it's there's an even give and take, but mostly like it's a medium more than it is an actual like kind of collective, if that makes any sort of sense. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I I think it's a bit more um, adjacent to variety streamers and why people like certain variety streamers than yes certain it is, it's very personality based yeah absolutely so thank you that's much more aptly put um and i i tend to enjoy more variety type streamers as well because i'm i'm watching them more for their uh, the only exception to that is magic the gathering because that's a very competitive skill-based games and there are players i particularly like um but mm. even still i'm usually more focused on who that person is and why I like them. But I do like more variety streamers, I think, than I do like specifically World of Warcraft guys. Like, I'd rather watch a variety streamer I really like play World of Warcraft than a really good World of Warcraft player play World of Warcraft, yeah. you know? Yeah. So the the way that I heard it break and broken down for, uh, for streaming, just kind of in general as a rule, uh, people are there for one of i believe four things they're there for your personality and like the kind of who it is that is at the helm they are there to see an impressive display of skill so how good you are at the game they are there to see the actual game itself or and this one's kind of a little bit of a a mix they're there to kind of uh see how bad the person is at the game that is definitely a unique thing I, oh, there's one specific youtuber slash twitch like, streamer that's so notoriously bad at games that that's his whole shtick but like, they ended up being like really laughing at them for being shit or is it like hate watching or is it like uh, kind of oh look how crap they are kind of thing kind of a little bit of both yeah. sometimes it's right, just okay. like there to like kind of schadenfreude watch someone right okay huh it's like watching aaron hansen from game grumps play games it's like you watch him play dark souls mm. and you're like how is this the one how are souls like games the one type of game you are good at and then just basic fucking platformers or anything else <laughs> you don't read instructions and you suck but yeah. you're still watching <laughs> yeah like i can almost guarantee with like without a doubt that the game grumps episodes that tend to get like the most viewership are the ones where one of them absolutely fucking loses it yes and just i can yeah that makes sense to me something interesting yeah. that I, I i noticed when i was starting to work uh with um a lot of the rusty quote guys um you know ben meredith and uh tim and johnny sims with magnus archives is that their communities are very and, and they could be a big anomaly in this but um, the Rusty Quill fandom is much more focused on the people than the product. Obviously, mm. they came to love the people because they love their product, right? You know, I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, people love Johnny Sims because of what Johnny Sims did with Magnus Archives, and also because Johnny Sims is a fantastic human being. Um, yeah. It, it's it's really nice. So us inherently working with them, we I mean, we wouldn't have had the success on Supersuits. Um, uh, with crowdfunding if we didn't have the the voracious hungry fan base that is the Rusty mm. Quill people. Rusty Quill Gaming, yeah. uh, Madness Archives fans, Stella Firma fans, like they are the, they are the super fans that you want because they're not yeah. gatekeepy. They they are happy to support you. Um and and I remember one of the nicest Twitter replies we ever got was uh Fassy nonsense is so it reminds me so much of the um obviously i'm paraphrasing here but basically the morals and values that Fassy nonsense has it is so similar to what we see in rusty quill that this feels like a, a second home for us um that's was, so sweet and it was yeah it was really nice and that's high praise because mm. i mean shit Fassy nonsense was started with a lot of inspiration from Rusty Quill. I mean, Jackie was a huge, yeah. huge yeah. Madness Archive fan. Um, also, Welcome to the Night Vale is a bit of, a big inspiration for 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 Jackie as well. So, mm. I think it's, it's it. The thing is, 
I can almost guarantee that a vast majority of those fans did not start out that way. Like mm-hmm. they mm. they came for one thing and then kind of explored beyond those bounds. And that's that's what you want, but to actually like get the audience and get that traction, it typically is one of those four things that mm-hmm. I had mentioned. Yeah. And It's really cool. Uh, it, it's very interesting to see those kind of parallels in the communities. Um, Absolutely. I think, I think it's fandoms. F- fans can be tricky, um, and it really is, I mm. think, industry dependent. But I think because VTubing and like audio drama have kind of very, they're a very similar outlet for a lot of people. They're this like very creative, um, um, fun way of expressing yourselves and, 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 like Absolutely. if I want to be this, I can be this. Or oh, this is kind of the same mentality of if I want, I can make this because I want to make this, and no one can tell me no. Yeah. That yeah. Like, personalized rebellion just... against the norm. Yeah. yeah. It's it's why I think art is amazing. <laughs> it's it's just like you 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 just it's like self expression and like even if. I don't know. Maybe again, I, I, I sort of I'm going back and forth on like whether this I think is just about it in general or this is just what I get out of it. But just being able to create is like the first thing for me. And then it's secondary is whether people listen or not. I think as long as I can make a really good show that I myself would be impressed by had I not made it. I think and I think that's like, I don't know. I just think it's great. I think it's I don't know. I'm, I sometimes get a little bit overwhelmed by how much I like this medium because I think it's just so... I don't know. You just want to make a thing and there's so little comparatively at least in the way of you doing that and I just, I don't know. It's amazing. It's just so good and it's such a simple way to kind of get a story out and I think that's a good way to start but I think then from there just based on the qualities of the medium making it in a way that it could only be audio drama I think that's how I have like done it is that I started it just because I liked podcasts and I liked, um, and I wanted to make a sci-fi sort of fantasy-esque sort of thing. And then recently I've kind of gone, okay, but then how can I make it so this could not be anything else? I think I've done that. And I think I'm continuing to do that and making it in a way that's like, I can maybe see it animated, maybe. But I think it just, I am I feel like Chain of Being is audio. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like audio is, is a part of its like DNA. Mm-hmm. Um and I want to make that more so, but yeah, that's 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 the kind of thing for me. I am also tired and a little bit drunk, so hopefully that made sense. But... <laughs> it's all good. I think yeah. we, we kind of wandered, but we got there in the end. I think yeah, there we go. what you said of like what you get out of the medium as well as like what mm. the medium actually is, I think both are kind of true. Yeah. Uh, in equal measure, like this is this is what you get, and this is what you like about it, but also like this is what it does and this is what it means to people beyond yeah. just yourself. So pretty cool. Um, I, I do want to circle back then to um, kind of what I was looking to bring attention to earlier. You said you've, there are some, some items and panels that have kind of made you um, kind of reevaluate kind of how you want to handle season two. And I know nothing's set in stone mm. yet, but um, if you would like, yeah. it would be nice to hear your uh, kind of reflection yeah. on that. Um, I think, I think, uh, definitely this was an idea I had been floating around and was, was relatively solid in like accents and having as many different accents as possible. Um, but I think that conversation of like the people actively discourage different accents in their casting, I think has kind of spurred me on a bit to just make that a a, a proper solid part of the next uh, season. And I think I would like as many accents that aren't, um, like as many characters that speak in a sort of North American sort of standard British standard, I want there to be a regional accent or I want there to be an accent from a different country or something. Cause I feel like that I mean, there's also like the element of like voice, like the sort of vocal qualities of individuals, but I feel like I want that variety and I want that to be like a, a, a sure thing that that's going to happen. Cause I feel like it will make it more interesting just to listen to and, and more varied in that way, but also just, just because, yeah, I think even just at a base level, the aesthetic quality of a variety of voices, I think, is really important now. Um, I think, what else? 
I, I not necessarily related to Chain of Being, but also I've, I kind of talk, I always say like, you could just make an audio drama with a, you know, with the microphone on your phone, laptop, Audacity free sound. And I say that a lot, but I think I'd, I might try and do that myself. I, may, I might make it a, um, a show off, but just produce something to the best of my ability with just my phone and Audacity and free sound and only use free things just to, cause to prove to myself that it can be done. Cause I've said it, but I've not actually done it. Cause I did start with a blue snowball. I did spend money on that kind of thing. And I want to, I want to, and I, I did, I made the jump to audition quite quickly. So I'm going to try and do that. I think is one of my big takeaways. Um, really cool. what else? Yeah, I think that's oh, and uh, collaboration with more people. I'm going to send off my scripts to more people, whoever will have it. Um, and I will, I will probably, um, get opinions on like editing stuff like in terms of like final edits and maybe send off drafts to people. Cause I used to do that right at the beginning when the sh- episodes were shorter. And then I did my like 30 to 40 minute episodes and no one really had the time to listen through. But I feel like now I've got a community of audio people that, you know, so I'll try and get someone to listen to it before I start doing stuff. Cause I do, I don't want to be the prequels. I don't want season two to be the, the Star Wars prequels. I want it <laughs> to be like, <laughs> I want someone to tell me no, if it's shit, do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. want to be sort of, yeah. in it's sort of going in circles and, and uh, what's the word? Like, yeah, I want it to. I want it to be good. <laughs> so I think that's those. Those are my main takeaways from this. Um, that I'm going to try and sort of. It's awesome. Move forward with. I think that's a yeah. testament to like kind of what we're trying to do with MadCon is like really inspire mm. and get some other points of view to consider when you're making your art because, um, you know maybe you have you habitually make something in a way that like oh I could do this and I think that might just make it a better product or I want to try to have better representation of xyz Mm. in this because it's something simple i can do and i think it'll really enhance the experience and maybe can it really means something uh for someone um a um on the topic of like languages and um Mm. and accents and things like that something i i I do kind of notice is um I feel like in the like Twitch and YouTube communities, like those that have accents or maybe speak a different native language are, I, I can imagine there is some kind of internal battle of like, do I, I know how to speak English. Do I speak, do I stream in English or do I stream in my native language? Because, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and talking to Aline, she made, she makes her, uh, high fantasy, um, um, audio drama, in English instead of um, in, instead of I thought I was saying it wrong. If for some reason Flemish did not sound correct to me, and that is indeed the language. Um, um, she makes her audio dramas in English instead of Flemish because there isn't the uh, quantity, there isn't the desire, yeah. quantity of people to listen to it or like a want for it regionally. Um, and David also created both in English and Spanish just so it could have. A wider audience and i think that's something we often see in entertainment as well um indie entertainment like um youtube and twitch um is that a lot of streamers probably don't want to stream in their native language so that they could try to get the english crowd but i feel like that's often stigmatized uh, by a majority of twitch what, what what do you think about that zock uh no that's that's kind of absolutely a thing it's also kind of funny because uh so twitch metrics are weird to say the least so the vast majority of twitch viewership comes from the east coast however what it's neglecting to mention is that it's about a 50 50 split between english speakers and portuguese speakers on the east coast on the east coast of the united uh, states not of the united states oh, okay because a vast majority of that viewership is coming from brazil okay that makes sense i was like i've been really it's the weird same time zone which is the part that makes it very funny wild right yeah oh shit at least partially Geography. the same time zone <laughs> yeah brazil is very large as well <laughs> yeah is enormous but uh, it's it's just kind of one of those funny things of like yeah when it comes to kind of targeting your audience and language is a big factor but mm. at the same time just because you're 
kind of doing something and like changing yourself for that does not necessarily guarantee you an audience. It's it's one of those, you know, art trouble things where you're only really going to hear about like the top maybe 10% and mm. best and everyone else is kind of just like grounded for scraps. Mhm. Yeah, uh there there is this misconception that like oh, I can make content and make a lot of money especially with Twitch and YouTube. Um it is a very small group of people that are actually making money. Like you, you hear about your your big, big Twitch people, your your Pokemains and your 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 Shroud and XQCs and these people, and the, the, they are the point zero one. They are yeah. the, the. It is worse than the one percent that we think of in like the U.S. economy or in global um, mm. uh, geopolitical and uh, economic. Uh, in a way it is like it is even more distilled than that it is yeah it point zero one percent of people actually make up probably 95 percent of the um all the money on twitch i mean it's it is a very small few um mm, absolutely yeah it's 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 pretty bad like my brother's like oh i should stream call of duty and stuff i watch shroud and he makes my money i'm like jj no <laughs> don't no. you're already setting yourself up for failure um <laughs> i do wonder though like with with uh multi uh bilingual or multilingual um content creators like if that that decision of like native language or english stood in their way like how much more successful they would have they would they have been within a small community of their native language than if they um, switch to English and then had like no chance, right? Because the amount of people that stream in English is very, very large. Yeah, it's it is a lot. Um, so would they have? So if you are a German, um, if you are a German CS:GO player, are you better off streaming in German to to ga- gather a German audience because you're you're more entertaining in German? You're mm. you're funnier. You have you have better you know grasp of comedy in German um than you would in english yeah. therefore you have a better chance with a you know maybe a a 50th of the amount of viewers that you could yeah. possibly grab i i think I, that's it's kind of made me think about that like are you really missing out by mm. by not doing it in english exactly like it's so it's it's a fine line i would say between accessibility and kind of uh, pie-eyed, boot uh, for the moon, long odds, because like demographics are a thing, mm. and like you can play to a smaller demographic and be more successful, especially like if it's something that you're more comfortable doing. That's probably the best way to do it, especially when streaming is very much personality based. Mm-hmm. Especially VTubing has has been stated before, but if it's like an accessibility thing, like on all of my streams, I try to put up, uh, barring collaborations because it would be impossible to do, uh, but I try and put up captions, little closed captions. Mm. Uh, they're not always accurate, but if it means that someone that's a little bit more hard of hearing has mm. an easier time sort of being comfortable and being on my stream, then I've done my job. Mm-hmm. It is... It's our job to be the entertainers, and part of that is to be, well, entertaining and also hit the people that you're trying to hit. Like, you want them to be comfortable enough to be there yeah. and come back. Um, kind of related uh, to that with kind of finding your demographic, There, there's something that John... Um, John from Gather the Suspects during um, our organic marketing for podcasts panel yesterday. Uh, he went into the specifics of why it's important to really understand who you're like trying to market to. Um, Absolutely, because you know there's you know, there's casting the wide net and hope you catch something, 
but you're always going to be better off like really trying to understand what you're going for and targeting them specifically. And and he was much more talking the technical side of like advertising and keywords and like Google searches, the SEO side of things. They're, they're kind of really boring kind of shit. Super important, mm-hmm. but it's it's not it's not fun to study that, but it can be extremely yeah. helpful. Um, Absolutely. And I was like, you SEO know, is crucial. Yeah. Using the right tags is essential, but like to kind of like extend on that metaphor, you can cast as wide a net as you want, but if you're throwing out your net in the wrong spot of the ocean where there's no fish, you're not going to catch yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. It's you got to do a little bit of both. And that's the hardest part about being a streamer a lot mm-hmm. of the time is you do have to do everything you are responsible for. Uh, community management, you're responsible for social media, you're responsible for, like, actually doing the streaming, you're responsible for, like, setting up your SEO, etc. Barring, like, very, very few, like, high-end, like, corporate streamers, but even those are, like, very few in number. Mm-hmm. Most people do not have their, man- like, a manager. You have to do all of it. Right. And I'd say that's also very true for, like, a lot, vast majority of, like, audio... Or, like, any... Honestly, I'll say just, like, any artistic kind of endeavor. Any kind of in- indie entertainment. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I think um, a lot of what I've learned... Obviously, I've learned a lot from the creator side of thing that, you know, I'm, I'm not a creator. I, I I don't make a podcast. Not I yet. don't... Not yet. <laughs> um, I don't make a <laughs> podcast. I don't run a show. But what my responsibilities do entail is helping shows be successful in that way. And I think um, some of the biggest takeaways I've had that I think it will really help me be better at my job um, came from the second day with like audience growth and things like that. Obviously, uh, I, I as a player and a TTRPG fan learned a lot from improv and actual play, um, and 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 kind of hearing the backside of like scripted audio plays and things like that was very interesting, but not really pertinent to like what I do. Mm. But with talking to John about kind of more specifically um how to build your site in a way to set yourself up for failure i'm sorry for success uh not for failure um how to yeah. intentionally make yourself fail uh, would be a really good pile to do <laughs> yeah that's a yeah. stupid awful at your job <laughs> you can do that it's... john i heard what you say i'm gonna do the opposite and see how that works for me <laughs> yeah 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 um but but <laughs> <laughs> having having John kind of explain a bit more of that kind of thing makes me really kind of excited to um, going into this next uh, work week is looking at each one of our shows, understanding a bit better what someone who is looking for would type to get there, what, what, what kind of communities they hang out with. And, mm. and definitely in the new listeners into podcasts um, panel, we talked a bit about where I think combining the the keywords and the marketing that John was talking about and then using that to kind of infiltrate these other fandoms who might like your stuff, right? You've got your Venn diagram of people, for, let's say super suits. You have a diagram of people that like audio dramas. You have a diagram of people that like um, audio, uh, sorry, superheroes, comic books and then like uh, audio dramas and in that you may have some overlap where people will be very interested in what super suits is um how do i properly infiltrate that and i think john has prepared me for that question a lot better than um it left me better equipped than i was before madcon started um and so that's what I'm really, really excited for. We talked a lot about like non-podcast content, and I definitely am very excited to work with uh, Kai. You and I have already kind mm. of started talking about some ideas for setting yeah. you up to be able to make your own non-podcast content in a very quick and efficient way. Um, because it does come down to you're already busy making your show. You're already busy doing this work and trying to create a product. What do you do? Do you have extra time? Do you spend the extra time when you're not working on mm. that to do something else with your audience? Um, this has been a real. It's been a really, really awesome mm. set of panels um, to kind of help me answer those questions and, and be better at my job, and therefore be help all of you um, um, in the network 
be more set up for success um, and take some of that sh- strain off of you guys. Um, mm. mm-hmm. I've, I've helped yeah. make you discovery ready, like by kind of helping with the um, the uh, marketing side of things, like branding and things like that. But mm. um, now that that's done, actually getting you discovered is my next big goal. And yeah. I, I, I feel it's much exciting. better about that part. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's it's, uh, it's an exciting kind of territory to start uh, entering, really. Mm-hmm. It's be cool. And, and also then, like, the better I'm equipped to do that. Like, I can't ha- ask John to teach you all how to do that. that. That's my job. You know, me learning from yeah. John will then help me spread that information to mm. you and, um, and, and to all the other people we have in, in Fasting Nonsense. And, um, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited for that. And I hope. I hope I'm able to apply what I've learned in a very productive way. Um, mm. cause that is the weakest side. I'm, I'm primarily a graphic designer. Um, yeah. Marketing is something I've just learned along the way and I still have so much to learn. It's great to do it in this way though, in just like in, in actually doing it and trying, I think it's like one of the, one of the best ways to learn. So I think it's, um, you know, I mean in, in, in like, five to ten years you'll absolutely be able to say like you know these are the early days and here's what i've learned over time and i think i'll be able to say the same about doing sound i'm sure i'll look back at what i'm doing now and go like what the fuck were you thinking like that kind of thing like realize how you know i think that's that's what's exciting is that you know that you're going to get better um that's just yeah it's just what's great about being human it's just developing mm-hmm. you know yeah it's sick. yeah i really as hope long as in five to ten years with... <laughs> so sorry go on buddy as long as you're not satisfied with where you are now and you're just constantly striving for that improvement, I think you're on a good yeah, path. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's definitely important to, like, take the dubs and, uh, and, and recognize, like, the accomplishments you've had. Um, because yeah. I, I, I feel like when you only focus on, like, this is trash, I need to be better, like, it gets really mm-hmm. negative really uh, quick. I'm uh, not saying that. I'm saying, like, appreciate <laughs> the moments, appreciate the successes, but mm-hmm. don't be satisfied yeah. with every with where you're at right right you know i definitely yeah it's definitely a balance to achieve right yes but i know i often like i personally often don't and i only focus on things i'm not good at and i know Mm -hmm. i just personally need to be better at that and that's something i have to remind myself of um Mm -hmm. and that's why i wanted to clarify for anyone who maybe also feels that way is like it's okay if you are not the best at something right now you have progress you are making you have those those dub idolos you know (laughs) yeah that's gonna be stuck in my head rent free for like a week now it's been like six months since we've mentioned dub idolo maybe longer that's an old one yeah still don't know what it means i love those memes with such an incredible intensity i think they're the best fucking thing in the world i love that guy he's so good his face is just fucking excellent uh, in awe of the size of the dub. <laughs> in awe, let's take a break because of how big this dub was. Ring a ding ding, your dub's on the phone. <laughs> They're all so good. Uh, let, let's take a I moment. Think to... Use that as an excuse to talk to Kai the first time, just like off network. I'm just like send those fucking memes. Oh, they're so good. My, my, my favorite <laughs> moments between us three in particular is Sock will send me something. I'll be like, oh, my God, you have to send this to Kai. And you already have or vice yeah. versa. And then <laughs> yeah. there's been times where you just screen cap both of them. And it's it's like it's, it's like, like Kai and I share one brain cell uh, because we're so easily entertained. We're the same like dumb shit. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Like that fucking gorillas thing where it was all his voice. Like the, you did the entire like Demon Days album with oh just my. like him, like acapella. He's that done full. So he's done good. so many albums as well. That guy. He did like fucking an Interpol album that um, my girlfriend was obsessed with, uh, and like she was just so happy that he'd done that. Fucking uh, like and the the work ethic akin to Viper. I think we should all be so lucky to be as good as Viper to produce forty million fucking albums since like two thousand and eight or something. Jesus Shout out Viper. Viper, my favorite, um, my favorite thing Viper's ever done is "Yule Cowards Ain't Even Smoke." Crack. It's the classic. It's the classic. It's it's the you. It's untouchable. Like <laughs> I really like, I really like "Fuck Earth." I'm a wage an interstellar war. It's one of my favorite <laughs> album titles. 
the dude releases an album like every other week. It's so insane. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I actually, like, I unironically enjoy. Studio? Um, what the hell? What's yeah, that? I know. I don't even. It, I, I unironically enjoy. Shit, I'm pretty Your sure. Cowards. Your yeah, I think yeah. it is. It's, it's a banger album, it's, man. It's a. Yeah, it's been a while since I've listened to it. Several years now. I don't know mm. how this is related to podcast. Let's, let's anyway. <laughs> let's try to circle back and um, if I can get Viper to guest either as a voice or guest yo. score, fucking on Chain of Being, I'll be so fucking happy. Guest scoring Dude. Chain of Being, oh Viper. Yeah, I bet if you asked, probably would. Yeah. Just like, yeah, will you do a voice? Yeah, I just shit this out last week. Here you go. <laughs> like, It'd be so good. There you go. And it's just like the, the best fucking thing you ever heard. And it's like, yes, this is what I want. Yes, please. I really want to try Jackie's experiment with... Um, so, so Jackie's um, experiment with The Gorgon Show is it gives excuse to try to bring people from outside podcasting into mm. the podcast world. Uh, we just had our first example. That was Shauna McGuire. Uh, she came on as herself uh, on the Gorgon show, you know, a, a show full of monsters and cryptids and, and things. She came on as human, Sean and McGuire, human question mark. And um, I, I would love to find more ways of bringing in um, people from outside of podcasting into audio dramas. And mm. I think that would be a good way to shed some light on audio dramas, you know? Yeah, definitely. Because there's a lot of people that haven't heard of audio fiction, things like that. You know, we had a whole panel about that of new listeners into podcasts. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, getting other fandoms, getting other um, bigger people to be involved, I think would be really, really, a really strong way to do so. But unfortunately, getting bigger people involved often means they want to get paid for the compensation. So that can be uh, yeah. an investment of sorts into that, into a well, I mean, it's an investment into a relationship. Yeah, yeah. but that it, it doesn't mean that their their fans are going to come over and enjoy what you do. It's possible they yes. don't, you know. Mm. But that's any it's investment. A, yes, very yes. Uh, let's take the moment to celebrate the dubs we've had since we started our um, kind of started of our, our creative. Oh, there goes Kai. <laughs> Well, let's start with you then, Sock. Um, what are some dubs you've had since you've premiered um, as Sock Dudums? Well, I mean, I actually got a Twitch check. That was pretty cool. Nice. Uh, like that's 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 not something everyone can really yeah. say they've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got one over on Jeff Bezos, but yeah, I... <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> but. No, I've, I'm like, I'm pretty content with where I'm at. I've, I'm steadily growing. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and I think that is a success in and of itself. That do be a dub, though. It do be a dub. And and I know, I know you I never envisioned like wanting like I know for yourself you do not want a big you don't want to be a hundreds if not thousands of fewer streamer that there's a lot of pressure that comes with that it. It obviously has its benefits, right? Because you can you can make a good living, you can have uh, be a positive influence on the community, but that doesn't always have to be on a macro scale. You can do that, and you can touch lives and and make a difference on on, on more of a micro um, a micro scale. Um, where do you ideally like? You know, I was hopping and hanging out today, and you had like you know fifteen people hanging out yeah. in there, which is consistent and good. Where would you ideally like to sit if you could, like, kind of have a peak uh, viewership? Oh, man. So viewership is kind of like a dangerous spot because it's very hard to gauge, but my community is already very active and talkative, and I love that. I I think I'd like to hit probably, like, maybe 30 or 40 mm-hmm. consistently, and that's pretty doable, oh, yeah. but... Yeah, I honestly like. I like the people that come to my streams. They interact very regularly. Like I can talk with them and hold a conversation. I I like being able to do that. Mm-hmm. I would like to. I I'd like to grow still, obviously, but mm. I would never like to grow to a point where I can't still do that. 
Yeah. Understandable. Uh, how about you, Kai? What are, what are some dubs you've had since starting Chain of Being? Or any, any particular moments you're fond of? The live show that I did was pretty big. <laughs> the the sort of, it was the, at the London Podcast Festival doing the um, live performance with my dad and my um, sort of family friends and stuff, like just performing a script of Chain of Being on stage to an audience of people and then having merch printed and selling merch was just fucking like mind-blowing and i sometimes forget that i've done that and then i remember and go okay like you do these sort of like it's like a instant uh, imposter syndrome kind of dispeller it's like i got invited to fucking do a live show like you know um what else i have a google doc of every nice thing that has been said about chain of being um so i, I just go through <laughs> that and go like oh yeah people like it it's nice um a nice feel yeah. good file i think those those are the main ones i think um finishing a full season was amazing um just producing shit like that uh getting adol rafai on as a guest just like voice actor was quite amazing because i was such a huge fan of all of the stuff he does and then just getting him on was quite funny um but to be honest i'm just yeah i'm just i'm i'm more excited about what i'm going to do than like what i've done if that makes sense mm-hmm. i'm just so you know i'm just so excited to keep going um i just need to actually do it i need to write is what i need to do um <laughs> She's actually do it, but yeah. yeah. I, I don't think we've specifically talked about this, but is there an end in sight for Chain of Being, um, <laughs> barring like yeah. maybe spinoffs or there? Because obviously, like you, there it is this big world, and I know you love mm. expanding on it. And there's in any sort of custom universe, there's almost infinite things to do. But for mainline yeah. Chain of Being, have you thought of an end? not really because i feel like i can always do another thing and maybe it won't always be following adam so in a way i guess maybe it's ending there when it stops following adam but i've i know what's gonna happen this season i know what's gonna happen the next season and i've had ideas for future ones so there's at least three more on the way and then beyond that if if i suddenly decide you know uh, i want to try something else i've had an idea for a total like left turn but still set in the chain of being universe where like called like and this might be like we refer back to this in like five years or whatever but called um it's gonna be like something along the lines of like chain of being primeval where it's just follow it's like an anthology series of like three different groups of people in like the sort of prehistoric eras of each of the main sort of species in chain of being so it'd be like the viatorian and malgaric and human sort of like cavemen i guess is like the sort of old-fashioned term for it but like just following what they were like back in sort of before all this sci-fi stuff and doing like a not even fantasy but just like prehistory i found like a really interesting way to do things um but yeah i've got lots of ideas of things i could do um we just i'm gonna keep going until i die or get bored <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome that's a good way to do art yeah <laughs> i i think that's yeah. uh i think it's been a really good weekend i think it's mm. for us creators it's probably hopefully given us a lot to talk about i know we've we've made a lot of friends this weekend uh yeah with with some of the guests we've had on um shout out to everyone who's been hanging out kyle you've been here every day yeah. helping out uh sock it, i'm so glad you got to join us today it's always a good yeah absolutely we haven't uh gotten to really hang out and chat much so it's been nice to kind of catch up that way um yeah. shout out aaron that's to... oh, oh i was shout out aaron shout yeah. out greg shout out uh, all the network peeps that popped in to help uh hannah was here for several um thank you mm. jack ward of uh sonic society and uh mutual audio network uh jeff and say larry jackie. um what's up did you say jackie and amy oh yeah that? of course jackie and amy um yeah. yeah i hope jackie is is feeling better um and um amy mm. was here to help me kick things off day one so um definitely would have been hard to carry this all completely by myself yeah. with like one of the panelists. I'm glad we had a lot of people hop in and, mm. and give their thoughts. Shout out Rebecca for hopping in as a guest mm. in the, uh, non-podcast Dante. content. Dante. Uh, let's just, let's just go me. through and thank everyone. The list. Fuck yeah. Let's Where, do it. Where's my list. Okay. Starting from the top. <laughs> Kai, Lee, uh, Amy, Jack Ward, Christoph Laputka, uh, Benani, uh, Greg, Aaron, Zan, Jeff Billard, uh, Jack Ward, uh, Dante, Hannah, Paul Walsh, Jonathan Evans, Ed Jowett. Shout out Ed. I hope uh, I hope his Kickstarter finished off well today. 
Um, mm. Finished strong. Uh, another one under his belt. Another one of his hundred and something under his belt. Uh, shout out Sock. Shout out Larry. Shout out Hannah. David Orion. Aline. Uh, Rebecca. And I think and Sock. We got everyone. I think I already said Sock earlier. There we but... go. <laughs> Tony. I'm Tony. Yes, yes. Shout out Tony for fucking shout out Tony posting for all these things. Fucking hell, man. Well done. 12 hour day. I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I had a great time. I'm obviously very tired, and I'm going to be. I, I can't wait to just play Persona yeah. 3 all day tomorrow well, and do literally nothing well else. Well earned rest. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I had a great time. I've learned a ton. I think mm. this has been really enriching. I'm glad these are all recorded. They'll all be available on the. Um, yeah. Somewhere, probably Audio Mutual or Sonic Societies. Maybe we'll have them on Faustian yeah. Nonsenses. Um, I'll work no, that out I'll with Jack. And um, I look forward to seeing them. Any final words? I always feel like whenever I wrap these up, I sound so threatening. But anything you'd like <laughs> to say before we head off? Djibouti. Djibouti. Excellent. Kai? Uh, art is great. Do it. I, I thought That's you were going to say something equally nonsensical like... No, <laughs> e- e- eggless or like when you miss about eagles. Oh, that's a whole nother can of worm. We're not going into that. There we go. I'm not, I'm not returning to this. Dub Idolo. Yeah. That's my last words of the day. Yeah. There we go. Thank you all so much for joining, and hopefully we'll have an even Very bigger, much. better MadCon next year. Good morning. We hope you're enjoying Saturday Story Circle. Got enough cereal? How's the coloring going? You can always join us tomorrow on Mutual with the Sunday Showcase, original audio drama from the United Artists of Audio right here on Mutual. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for exciting audio drama every day or find the Sunday Showcase feed in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together.